Welcome to Being 11. My name's Amanda Marsh and I'm inviting you to take a journey with everyday people as they recall their pre-teen years, sharing the good, the bad and the cringeworthy. Sofro Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wajak Noongar, paying respect to elders past, present and future. So the year is 1988 and I'm sitting here with Celine. Welcome Celine to the Being 11 podcast. Thank you for having me. Tell us what your world looked like. Where were you? I am living in a small old stone cottage in the wheat belt South Australia, just out of a town called Udunda. And I catch a bus to school every day with my brothers and my neighbour who lives about 500 metres from my home. And we're one of three houses in our tiny little spot (laughs) on a dirt road for kilometres in any direction. So it was a farm? My property, the property we grew up on was not a farm but surrounded by farmland. My neighbour also was not on the farm, Mm -hmm. but the road that we shared had multiple farm owners around us. Yeah. Yeah. And what were they farming? What what sort of land was this? Mostly wheat and oat fields. Some were grazing for sheep on occasion and a little bit of hay, but not much. No cattle or anything like this. Yeah. And what's the population of Udunda? Is it as remote as it sounds? It's pretty remote. I wouldn't know the population now, but the school, which was attended by many children from other areas that didn't have a high school, totaled about 800 students from reception up to year 12. Okay. And I think the township was only around two and a half thousand people, approximately. It had two pubs, a supermarket, a petrol station, a post office, a butcher, or in a bakery. Okay. Yeah. And and was it an old town? I mean, you know, because I know some towns in South Australia famously have had stunning sort of bluestone was it was it one of those sorts mm, of towns it did have bluestone buildings in it a little bit of colonial settlement it was part of the gold rush there was an era of gold rush through south australia i don't remember the the time i don't remember the dates of the years and it was one of the few places where they tried to find some seams of gold and they were unsuccessful, it didn't didn't really work, but it ended up with a lot of German settlement in that area after the fact, um, who started the farming in that area. And is that how your family arrived there? No, they weren't related to that. My father came from overseas who had married another woman from overseas and they liked the area and settled in a home or bought a home there and then when they separated my father still had the home when he met my mother and she was living in the city which was two and a half hours drive 
south from our town and they settled there together in the first couple of years of their marriage. I had just been born and they moved there. Oh, okay. So you pretty much that was the only life you knew? That was the only place I ever mm. grew up, yeah, until I was 15 when I moved out. How did you entertain yourself as an 11-year-old in such a remote place? You have a strong imagination <laughs> and I had lots of brothers and we had two neighbouring houses that had school-aged children also that we were friends with. So we were either walking between houses to play with each other or walking the roads <laughs> to go on adventures, which isn't a lot to see or do in a long, vast area of farmland. But you would come across sheds filled with bits and pieces that you could go and play with or explore or get in trouble being in trespassing. I was just going to say, did you get into trouble? <laughs> My brother's more so than I did. I yeah. ha happened to be a little bit more <clears throat> sedate and kept at home reading books myself. Mm -hmm. I was more of a bookworm. Do you remember any books you were reading at that age? I would be then reading The Hobbit and any fantasy that I can comprehend at that time. So Ursula Le Guin, Earth Sea books, uh, maybe some... Terry Brooks, which was lots of dwarves and elves <laughs> and fantasy stuff. Yep. That was what you were into. Did you have a cinema in the town or maybe a drive-through? So the, the town didn't have a cinema, but occasionally the council, I think it was once a month or bi-monthly, they would have a movie night at one of the town halls or the town theatre. Mm. And so people would buy a cheap ticket and they would see a matinee or a two-for-one. didn't happen very often. Or we didn't, we didn't socialise with the township a lot, so we didn't go very often. But occasionally we, we managed to get a ride with our neighbour and go into the, the town and go and watch a movie. What about music? What kind of, what were you listening to? The Bogan Music Station <laughs> that played a lot of Pink Floyd. That, that surprises me because the Pink Floyd's 70s, really. My father was a record collector, so I listened to a lot of old music that was fairly broad from Europe as well as local. And he watched Rage a lot. <laughs> and we listened to Triple J. We had the radio on a lot, actually. Countdown was on with Molly Meldrum. We'd have Saturday top hits music on the, mu on mm -hmm. the weekends. Yeah. Lots of music. Well, what did the dinner table look like? Did you all sit around the table together or were we more of a TV dinner type of family? Like, what, what, what did that look like? It was food in lap around a fire. Huh. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't sit at a dinner. T our home was pretty small and with many children and we were less formal. My father would cook open, over the open fire we would take turns being served our dinner and we'd sit around the fire with TV probably, a movie. What was the absolute worst thing your dad used to cook for you that would get served up that you'd just turn your nose up at but forced to eat it anyway? Mm. Or maybe there was something that he cooked and you were just like, yes, give me more of that. I really liked pickled cabbage, yeah, yeah, and Brussels sprouts. 
Nobody else liked them so much as I did. I wasn't a very fussy eater. I, I ate almost anything, but the, the occasional thing might have been fish, which we didn't have very often anyhow, and mostly because it was not deboned and I wasn't very good with things that had scales and bones. But I don't remember severely having a thing that I didn't like. Like mm-hmm. I, It was pretty rare that it would come from somebody else. It would come from another home. <laughs> so what about here's a classic thing like if you had food that you enjoyed mm. um did you take your lunch with you to school mm. and did you did you have kids that you would swap with like they'd look at your lunchbox and go oh that looks exotic and they would never want our food <laughs> and why because it was too odd most of the children that I was surrounded by went to school with craft cheddar cheese mm-hmm. and Vegemite sandwiches. That's that was my my life growing a up. Of chips, yep, and maybe some fruit. And in my lunchbox, I would have a handful of fruit and nuts, some fruit, some random lentil burger patty that my mum had cooked, maybe, and a sandwich with salami and tomato that made my Lunchbox stinky <laughs> and my sandwich bread soggy because tomato never yes, goes well does. in a sandwich. Yeah. Yes. And it's a, did you ever want to swap with them? All the time. And did, and did they? No. Or did they just go, no, no that's just I too weird? never succeeded. <laughs> if I got somebody else's lunch ever, it's not because of a swap. They just didn't want it. And I happened to be in, in vicinity when they offered it up. <laughs> So for you, the craft cheese was the exotic? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the more fake the cheese, the more interested I was in how fake it was. Yeah. <laughs> what was the collecting thing that particularly maybe the girls were into? I remember the girls being into pony club books and oh, pony yes. club riding, but I wasn't connected to that. I wasn't brought into that. I didn't find pony club interesting at all Mm. collectibles i don't do remember some of the kids having baseball cards but or basketball not baseball basketball cards but we we're pretty remote so it wasn't the same as the city when i i do remember when i left and got to the city that that was a lot more prevalent but at the age of 11 Mm. in country town is pretty minimal so your self-entertainment was literally just the books or roaming the Books, fields drawing or roaming the fields mm. yeah going backwards and forwards between neighbors houses mm. yeah pets the a few cats no two goats and a no the dog had passed away by the time I was 11 there had been a dog I remember all the names of the cats we had a few around one was tuxedo one was coffee don't remember many of the others the goats Mine was called Celeste, and we milked her. She had a child, a kid, and then we had another goat. I don't remember what we called him. Ashley, maybe. And he was an, an Agora goat, and my mother used to trim his wool, and we would card, and she would make wool to knit with on a spinning wheel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I would card the wool for her. She'd also get wool from the local shearers. There was a country women's association and they had a small group of women who would get together and knit and she was sort of part of 
And did you ever wear anything that she made? Not as I got older. I think I do remember when I was younger that I had things like jumpers and a shawl, but I don't think at the age of 11 I had anything at that point. I tried to make my own things, but I was dismal. <laughs> I was really bad at it. <laughs> Yeah. She really wanted me to learn how to sew and I was really bad at it. <laughs> I was really bad at any of that stuff. And I was too busy. I wanted to go running and chasing things and climbing trees and wrestling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that sounds more fun. Yeah. What you were doing. Was, was there any other extended family around that you remember? Or was it... It sounds like it was just you. Uh, yeah, so my mother's sister, Robin, eventually married and they moved to a hobby farm in Kapunda, which isn't too far from Udunda. And I think they lived there for a while before moving to the city. We saw them maybe once a fortnight. They had some children, but they were really young. By the time they had children I was they were maybe only just born so they weren't much entertainment to you no definitely not I, <laughs> no we didn't really have cousins and other people around mm. that they're, they're the only extended family yep so did you did you have any chores that you had to do around the house yes we had different areas of the house divided up for sweeping so I would have our house was a a cottage that had a, a hallway down the middle. The main living room was off to the right and the two bedrooms were off to the left and the back had been given an extension where the kitchen was and another small little area, outback area, was uh, with a bathroom. So it was a very tiny house. It's mm -hmm. like a really just a two-by-one that had a back veranda enclosed into a yeah. make it seem like there was a bigger room yeah. yeah it's very very small sounds like a classic Aussie cottage it was it was an old miners cottage oh, yeah okay. yeah and yeah. and which bit of it did you have to sweep what was your section mine was the hallway I got to sweep the hallway and I would do it fastidiously <laughs> I would take a little I think people call it a half brush or a, a little hand brush with my dustpan and broom and I would we had wooden floorboards and I would fastidiously brush all the dust out of the crevices between the two boards of every board up and down the hallway. And how often did you do that? Probably nowhere near as often as I should have. <laughs> I think I did it every couple of days. We were supposed to do it every day but we needed a lot of reminding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids do. Yeah. And did, and did you get pocket money for your efforts or, or it was just expected of you? Um, I think we eventually bargained our parents into pocket money, but it didn't come quick or easy. Mm. And I think it wasn't to do with our tasks. It was more if we did extra things. Mm -hmm. And do you so remember how much you got? We also had to do things like bring the washing in and hang the washing out and stuff. And they were all just home duties that everyone had to mm. share, do the dishes, that sort of stuff. Mm. No, I don't remember, but it wasn't very much. It was like 50 cents for a job. But back then you could still buy lollies for a, for a cent each. Mm. So, you know, you could get a bag of lollies, 50 lollies, 50, yeah, 50 lollies for 50 cents. And did you do that often? 
Where did you get you? At our canteen at the at school. What was your favourite of the pick and mix? I often would get mint chalk buds. Didn't like much of the other lollies. Chalk buds mostly. Sometimes freckles. Sometimes the raspberries or a mixed thing. But mostly I relied on chocolate. Because if I got a mixed thing, I'd get a banana in it. I didn't like it. Well, that's my money. <laughs> they're a bit of a they're a divider, aren't they? The banana. Yeah, bananas and teeth and yeah stuff. Yeah, they're a bit of a divider. I'd forgotten about raspberries. I used to love those. Mm. What did Christmas look like? Mm, that could vary. We often would have Christmas with our grandparents up until it got and up until the family got too big. It was always a debate. Do we travel to Adelaide to see the grandparents or do they come and visit us out in the countryside? And when my mother's auntie had moved to the countryside, it was more common to ask or have grandma and grandpa travel out to the countryside. However, we did travel quite a bit, actually. I think probably once a fortnight to go and visit grandparents. That aside, though, Christmas was something that started off seemingly happy and then often fell into family feuding. Uncle had too much to drink and mum and dad needed to have their lives sorted out by other people because they were not happy. (laughs) Yeah. The kids were just running amok, you know, while parents and family were drunken. Yeah in disarray what's you feeling about that now do you think you were were you kind of oblivious to the fighting or did it scare you or or did you just like oh they're at it again i'm out of here kind of how did how did that roll at first it was seemingly i think at first i was sort of oblivious to stuff or i was aware of it but would just try to actively not be engaged in that Mm -hmm. and then there were there were a couple of years that it was pretty not nice. It was pretty unpleasant mm. and people just had to separate as in it was time for someone to leave. Mm-hmm. Grandparents went home or we left or right kids to the car, whatever it was. Yeah, there were a couple of years. Fam- I always thought everyone had good family lives and that we didn't. Turned out. Lots of people had dysfunctional Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty normal. Um, and it was sort of comforting to know that when I discovered it. Not that I wished anyone a bad Christmas. It was just like, oh, yeah, actually, it's just hard work. It's pretty it's just normal. hard work for most. Yeah, ours wasn't much better. So thinking back to that age and Christmas, do you recall one Christmas gift that you absolutely begged for, was it? Sure, I begged for lots of things. I reckon I begged for a Barbie. I never succeeded in that one. I remember my grandmother always giving me 90s, and I never liked them. But she did give me one 90 that looked quite funky. It was very 80s. The girl with a single eyeliner, eyebrow, lips, sort of a bit. Oh, was it um, inspired sort of by the Picasso? Yeah, a little bit Picasso. Yeah, and it was around the – oh, my God, it would have been around the time of that famous, um, I think, British Airways ad. Oh, 
could have been. Was it Malcolm McLaren um, did the soundtrack to it and they made a, a face a bit like that? It would have been around that time. It was quite trendy. That. Yeah. yeah. And I did like that one a lot. <laughs> I did like that one a lot. And I think around that time I also discovered how to use a, what do you call it, a heated a hair wand? Oh, yeah, for curling your hair. Curling, and I would curl my fringe for school. Wouldn't curl the rest of my hair, but I'd curl my fringe for school. And it was a very specific way it needed to be curled. A very 80s thing to do. Put a wave in your hair. Do you remember the rest of your outfit? Did you have a uniform? We had a uniform. It was maroon, checkered, maroon and white checkered dress or... Maroon pants and maroon. Maroon. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of maroon. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't blue or white. Or, yeah, maroon. Very boring. All our fashion was hand-me-downs from the neighbours and second-hand store stuff. So very rarely did we get something brand new. Mostly it was brand new shoes for the year. So we might just get new runners or something. We were pretty hard on our footwear, so every year it was a new, brand new pair of shoes. It sounds like it was quite a frugal household. Would that be? We didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah it was pretty, pretty, pretty low expenditure because there was a few mouths to feed. Most of our money went into food. When we went to the supermarket, it was this train of children and walked out with overflowing shopping cart of food for our fortnight or something and. Remember my even that back then, my parents were paying something like four or five hundred dollars in food. Wow, that's a lot of food. Yeah, that is yeah. a lot of mouths to they food. Did a lot of cooking, you know, like yeah. Um, it wasn't fast food takeaway stuff. Mm. Um, we we had pizzas and fish and chips and stuff, but it wasn't on a regular diet. Yeah, lots of cooking. All right. Yeah. We'll finish up and I'm going to ask you, what would your 11-year-old self tell you if she had advice to give now you? What would 11-year-old Celine tell you to do? To go on a holiday. Go travelling. We liked travelling. Yeah, travelling probably. Very nice. On that note, so thank you, Celine, for joining us today and sharing 11-year-old you with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Being 11. If you liked what you've heard today, don't forget to like, subscribe, or visit our website at sofromedia.com to see what else we do. Until next time. This podcast includes music by Tristan Norton and Martin Kottmeyer.